Hello and welcome to Cloud Insiders, the podcast that brings cloud down to earth, brought to you by Extrovert. Today we're talking about the new business as usual, how the world moves on when we've all been allowed back to work and how companies have had to undergo unprecedented change in the past few months as well as their employees. Today we're joined virtually, of course, by Robin Gardner, Strategic Services Director for Extrovert. Hi there, Robin, and thanks for joining us. Hi there, Stuart. Glad to be here. Can we just kick off with you telling us a little bit about yourself, your background and your role at Extrovert? Yes, sure. As you mentioned, I've joined Extrovert at the beginning of April as Strategic Services Director. Uh, My background's been all in IT, almost 30 years. I've always been in infrastructure roles, either senior infrastructure management or CTO positions. Main career highlights, I was CTO for Avis Europe, running both infrastructure programs, data center consolidation, large scale server and desktop virtualization programs. I moved from there to IFDS, a financial services business where we were providing managed services to the UK financial organizations, mainly based in the city. Again, while there, big data center refresh programs, consolidation, virtualization, and a 6,000 user desktop virtualization rollout. And my most recent role prior to joining Extrovert was actually as CTO for a startup life insurance business, taking a greenfield site and developing and delivering end-to-end business solutions, all cloud-based. Great opportunity to have and deliver a cloud-first strategy all the way from initial ideas through to business launch and the first two years of operations. So all in all, you're no stranger to big roles and big projects, really. (laughs) Not really, certainly from a customer perspective, and it's great to be joining the supplier side to bring that insight to Extrovert's customer community. That's wonderful. So I should probably highlight this is now the second Cloud Insiders recorded out of lockdown. And although we've always been very used to recording remotely, this has come with a unique set of challenges, which has actually caused um, rapid change for our entire tool set. It's completely different in terms of the fact that I'm having to sit in my front room instead of at my desk to shield me from angry baby noises. I can play piano with one hand, should one need it, and I can pour whiskey with another. It's a completely different set of circumstances to if I were at the office. But of course, the changes are universal. The past few months have been a time of change for many organizations and their IT teams. From the view of a CIO or CTO, what do you see as being the main challenges and what have you had to overcome in enabling remote working and keeping businesses running? So I think the biggest challenge that has been seen across the UK and and worldwide from an IT perspective has been the speed of changes, the new demands that will have come out of the boardroom and out of management teams and CIOs with very short notice to change working practices and to support a business as it looks to sustain its employees, to sustain its ability to generate revenue and to move rapidly into a new working paradigm. That will have translated into the scaling of existing remote working solutions, remote access platforms that were just predominantly out of hours with ad hoc utilization and low concurrency ratios suddenly become a business as usual requirement. In many organizations, that capability just won't have existed. 
working from home won't have been a supported activity and management teams will have been of the view that employees can only be productive if they're in the office working visibly and and collaborating together in meeting rooms uh, and over the water cooler. So we'll have seen rapid change, rapid demand into IT teams. Alongside that, employees who come to the office every day won't necessarily have the computing capability, laptops, home PCs, mobile phones to be able to interact from the office. So if they're not going into furlough schemes or being asked not to work, then those tools will need to have been acquired, provisioned and distributed to the employees or approaches will have been needed to be put in place that allow them to use their own technology, bring your own device if you like, but likely with much more restricted requirements and and controls put around that. So that navigation of, of information security requirements, compliance requirements and policy standards that have been sitting as a consideration for IT over many years I suspect in a number of organizations will have been put to one side with the the demand, if we don't do this now, if we don't enable our employees to work tomorrow by the end of this week, we won't survive as a business. And I think that has has probably left a a set of activities outstanding that that need to be addressed in, in the near term. The other thing that we've got is those decisions within IT as to what normal business as usual activities can be downplayed while we respond to the new set of requirements. So that all translates into a Herculean effort for infrastructure management, for infrastructure engineers to respond to the crisis and come up with solutions that can be implemented and delivered quickly. Okay, so um, you're saying a lot of this has been implemented very fast and they've had to put compliance to one side in a lot of these situations. So are these quick sticking plaster fixes or can they be sustained longer term? I I think the answer to that is clearly going to be yes to both, but uh, to varying extents, depending on the organisation. The thing that's going to be sustained long term is the changing awareness within organizations and within managers and leadership teams that remote working, home working is something that does work. Employees who are given the opportunity and the tools to work from home actually largely continue to contribute in their in their role as an employee and add value to the organization. From an employee perspective, there are clearly a lot of benefits to that as well. But in terms of the technology, some of those things quickly installed, we've got to look at, do they give the full functionality that the business needs to operate longer term? Or were they just delivered with the minimum necessary to get us through on a week-to-week, month-to-month basis? Do organizations have the skills and capability to actually manage them over the longer term? Do they have the capacity in the organization to support two very different profiles of workforce? And is the uh, licensing, is the implementation of, of those solutions fit for purpose or has it been delivered quickly to meet a short term need and now needs to, to come back to be addressed in a different way? From an organizational perspective, we've also got to recognize that these services and these IT capabilities have only been delivered to keep those people who are required to work working. So employees who were furloughed 
are not currently supported in in this new operating model. And as those they come back into the office or into the ability to work from home, then we need to look at what's the right solution to support their needs in parallel with a workforce that's continuing to work uh, within the new operating model. And you say that there's this second hurdle essentially coming for when furloughed users return. And of course, you mentioned licensing. Do you think that companies have had time to take into account all the costs and all the price comparisons that usually a company would take on before they embark on one of these projects? Absolutely not. I think the the response to the lockdown requirements and the push to work from home will very much have been delivered based on what do we have? What do we know? What are we already aware of? And where can we get it most quickly? We know that lots of supplier organizations have delivered short-term either zero-cost or low-cost licensing, recognizing the need of the market to have something that can be adopted quickly without long, drawn-out negotiations. Those deals are going to start running out. And equally, there is the potential need for IT architects and IT leadership to take a step back reconsider what their likely long-term requirements are and reassess whether the quick fix that's been installed to date is the right solution and when would be the right time to update that, change it or relicense it for future large-scale adoption. And we've said here that companies won't be able to return to working how they did back in 2019. Um, Could you just give us a little outline of how companies were working, how they're now working, and how we believe they should be working, and how they get there, and what needs to be fixed first if they've gone down this quick win scenario? So that's a a really broad question, and and I think we could spend hours exploring that, and I suspect there'll be lots of books and theses written very much in that transition out of 2019 into the new reality of 2020. But, But if we sort of take a high level review of that, 2019 and the many years before, organizations were driven by market activity that followed historic economic models, standardized trends, supply and demand, responding to competitive activity. Uh, And a lot of these had a slow burn. Yes, with the new cloud solutions and the rapid adoption of technology, some of those lead times are are speeding up. But certainly a new working paradigm would never have been a forecast to kick in across a whole country within 24 hours. So the requirement for businesses to show their capability to adapt to new requirements, to new working practices, to new market models that may become available or um, drop away at very short notice is is a level of of change that's never been anticipated before uh, and never been um, catered for either in IT solutions or in business management models. So I think from, from businesses, they need to look at how do they become more responsive and more immediately reactive to the new needs or, or changing market requirements that are associated with the move out of the current lockdown scenarios, the risks associated with second waves coming through, or with changing governance, government guidelines and the changing dynamics across different countries. That, that needs 
to be a capability that we, we're certainly going to need for the next 12, 18 months. Depending on in, industry, we may see it stabilise sooner or take much, much longer. You know, we've, we've seen the airlines talk about 2022, 2023 before some level of new stability starts to come to their markets. You know, certainly, business continuity, disaster recovery and operating models um, becomes a core discussion uh, at the board and at the senior management team in organizations. That risk profile of what happens if we lose the office or lose access to the office for a 24-hour, 72-hour period uh, in the event of an oil spill or a fire, uh, what's our business continuity actions? That was something that was considered. There were some very standardized responses around working from home or use of workplace recovery suites. But I suspect that many board members and many management teams never expected the level of impact that we've seen in the last few months ever, ever occurring. So that subject is going to become something that will be discussed more frequently, will need to be evidenced and will need to be challenged or expected to be challenged by management teams and by CEOs and chief risk officers on a much more frequent basis. What else do we, do we anticipate changing? Well, the ongoing use of offices as a primary location for work. Real estate charges have continued to increase, particularly in central business districts and key cities. And so the opportunity to move back into an, and take advantage of a work-life balance for the employees and lower occupancy charges potentially for employers as well is certainly something that we can could see coming forward. In counter to that, we should expect uh, increased requirements or different requirements for how we monitor and manage employee well-being. And we need to bring this changed profile of workforce back together. While all of our workforce is working from home, then video conferences, the dramatic rise of Zoom and the effectiveness of that, not just because the tool is available and has been commonly adopted, but also employees within themselves are becoming more comfortable with video. They're using it more frequently with family, with friends uh, and colleagues outside of the workspace. So adapting to it within your office environment becomes and feels more natural. However, how that then changes when half the meeting is sitting in a meeting room and the other half is sitting individually at home with a video screen one-to-one introduces a changing dynamic and educating a meeting room to include remote participants and acknowledge the visual signals of remote participants uh, becomes much more important. And that becomes a training requirement and a need to look at how we fit out those rooms and how they become enabled for use. As mentioned before, making sure that, that all of the solutions that are put in place to support this new operating model or these new operating models are scalable and fit for purpose. We've talked at length about cloud platforms being able to scale to meet Christmas sales periods or launch of new products. Actually, we're talking much more across a wider scope of our end-to-end business operating environment than just the front-end sales channel now. We're talking about how at short notice a remote access platform or a virtual desktop environment can scale dramatically at short notice, service a population taking a period to work increasingly from home, and then potentially scale down again as we move back to a more traditional operating model with more people returning to the office. 
it's interesting how you brought up like the physical location and also the culture of companies being on a near permanent shift. I've already heard of companies that are shutting down rented offices, been told actually our productivity has gone up since um, we've started working remotely. And from the point of view of culture, I've actually heard so many more people say they've spoken to their colleagues and bosses about, you know, non-work related things so much more since they've been working from home just because they're constantly on video calls yeah so for a lot of people from a cultural point of view this has actually been quite a positive outcome for them i think that that's that's really good observations you know we, we've seen announcements just in the past week of dell and twitter among many others uh saying that they they're going to extend work from home uh opportunities forever you know, they, they don't see a return to the mandated attendance into offices five days a week at any point in the future, assuming that your role supports that capability. But for a lot of employees, or we, we've got to remember that does depend on their, their out-of-office circumstances. You know, a number of those will have been furloughed because they're unable to work and, and be productive in their roles. Their living arrangements, do you have access to a garden? Do you have access to local community services? Uh, or are you living in a flat and actually your sole engagement in, in the wider environment is done through your, your travel to the office and then your, your collaboration with colleagues within that office environment? I think that those dynamics are going to play out. And in the short term, while we've just seen these changes kick in and a large proportion of the population are enjoying it, the, the longer term burn and the impact of that on families, home life, homeschooling and other dynamics are probably going to be things that we'll see change over the next 12, 24 months. How organisations monitor their employee well-being as, as well is going to be critical. You mentioned that those water cooler conversations are being replicated over Teams or other video solutions as well. For an organisation that's mature, where there's been high levels of employee stability, I think that dynamic that's built in the office quickly is able to be sustained outside the organisation in that new working environment. But when we look at new joiners, when we look at employee turnover, role changes, then how a new employee with an organisation builds those relationships and integrates them into that camaraderie and that culture is, is probably something that we haven't seen challenged yet. Uh, and we haven't seen the impact on overall long-term productivity yet either. Yeah, because I guess that's a perspective I hadn't taken into account before. And it's really handy having your point of view on it because the, the the people I'd heard with their positive outcomes and their, their playing quizzes and doing Friday night drinks with their work colleagues were, of course, all previously established employees. So unless your company is setting up these quizzes and Friday night drinks and being inclusive of the new starters and everyone, then, yeah, you might not be getting this positive spin on this set of events. That's, again, a really interesting observation because managers and HR departments are putting an awful lot of effort into um, managing the well-being of their employees and, and arranging these activities. Uh, for, for this type of engagement to continue, then those activities need to continue as well. And they need to become part of normal working practices uh, and we need to sustain them. And the, there will be a key risk in the future if the value add that's holding this community together or these business communities together drops away, then actually productivity, 
engagement and value will drop away as, as a result of that as well. So it's not just around giving somebody a laptop and ability to remote access. It's putting the additional management effort and uh, engagement in to make that a holistic and wholesome work environment. Yeah. So empowering employees is one thing, but keeping them engaged is an absolute must. I, yeah, I see where you're coming from. And it's got to be a huge burn on the HR department to try and keep this rolling. We've spoken at length about the culture of how this is all changing and how this is affecting everyone. If we bring this back to an IT perspective, what shape should IT planning and strategy be taking right now? Is now the time to be thinking about long-term transitions and huge migrations? It's a great question, Stuart. I think the, the number one response to that is, do they support the business objectives that are in place for the next six to 12 months? And secondly, do the outcomes sustain and justify themselves in the light of uncertain market conditions? Is the assumed outcome reliant on a market being in place, a revenue opportunity being in place, or a demand being in place that cannot be guaranteed until there is more clarity within government guidelines or uh, transition um, conditions as, as we move out of this current scenario that we have today. I think there will be increased focus on cost control, cost predictability. I think there will be much more time spent on price negotiations, looking for reduced costs to reflect the challenging uh, financial situations that many organisations find themselves within. And I do think that there will be significant focus on IT rapidly making the interim working solutions robust, secure and compliant to meet the standard policy requirements that an organisation may have relaxed in order to get some short term solutions in place. You said in there about price control and predictability. Are there any particular tools or products that you see helping people on these journeys? And from the point of view of compliance, do you see that hybrid cloud technologies might come more into view for companies that might have been shying away from cloud solutions up until this point? Actually, Stuart, I think you know there, there are good cases where both of those questions come together with with a, a single scenario. So one of the best ways to to control price within the current scenario and within the the current challenges that we have is to look to where scalable cloud platforms with variable cost models can be used to support the demand that we have within our business environments. So delivering working from home environments, digital workspaces that can flex up and down either flex up, you know, turn on during business hours and turn off overnight, releasing the cost of processing and compute technology or uh, solutions that support the whole workforce at times that it's required and should the, the guidelines mandate it, but actually turn themselves down, recognizing that proportions of the workforce are returned to the office and are able to work in a traditional manner as well. So that takes us into cloud and particularly public or flexible cloud capabilities supporting price and cost management. You know, you rightly ask, what does that mean for compliance? Well, there's been a huge amount of investment from the cloud providers, Amazon, Google and Microsoft, to give 
clarity to their cloud capabilities and to give clarity to the compliance standards that they meet in the delivery of those those capabilities. And it's important to remember that if they are correctly configured and well-managed and maintained, then in many situations, a cloud environment and a cloud solution can be at least as secure and at least as compliant as an internal organization's data center or or, or private environment. One of the big challenges is if you don't achieve that correct configuration, then you are starting to expose your business to unnecessary risk that would not traditionally have been in your operating model. Brilliant. Do you see products or solutions that are particularly well-placed to meet these requirements? Yes. So we've seen the growth of uh, VMware's portfolio. So with with Horizon and Workspace ONE now being much more easy to deliver out-of-the-box capability to initially enable a a workforce to be productive, Uh, Citrix virtual apps and desktops, uh, the, the same thing, getting that workforce back up and running uh, from remote locations. These are incredibly powerful. And the old perception of them being clunky, unreliable and unperformant in today's environment with increased access to fiber DSL, solid home connectivity, performant uh, mobile phone connectivity, etc., means that the services that can be delivered now across these virtual desktops, including streaming video, video collaboration, and other high-powered modeling tools, mean that they they can be used and adopted in far more organizations than than we might have seen three, five years ago. From a security perspective, there there are lots of cloud and on-premise security products uh, available on the market. Uh, VMware have just launched uh, Carbon Black, their their new proposition that goes multi-cloud and on-premise in terms of delivering those capabilities. And of course, the whole NSX portfolio uh, as well is well positioned to deliver scalable computing uh, and flexible use of a corporate's assets in order to deliver to changing business needs at a very short notice. Beautiful. And I'm guessing from a higher level for smaller companies, I'm guessing we'll see a much wider adoption of things like Office 365, Google's G Suite, um, and a lot of tools along those lines, more of a SaaS-based offering. Well, absolutely. And the, the other thing that the current circumstances will have sharply into focus are risks that organizations might have around key man dependencies and knowledge domains within their IT organizations. So moving some of those core productivity capabilities off their on-premise platforms up into standardized cloud-based services allows those risks to be much better managed. And that trading between moving it off-premise into a public tenanted consumption environment versus having a very small or targeted IT team where the loss or non-availability of a small number of key members of staff could impact the integrity of of their ability to do business uh, is really key. And those are decisions that IT leaders and CIO CTOs are going to have to start to grapple with over the coming months. That's brilliant. Um, I think we've kind of covered off a lot of like if employee expectations have shifted and if employees are kind of happy with how things have moved. Do you see this 
not just from like the huge monoliths um, that you spoke about earlier in the Dells and Googles and Amazons, do you see that this might be a sustainable option for smaller to medium companies going forwards if there'll be a dramatic upshift in remote working? So I would like to think that the attitude of the nation has changed as a result of of the, the lockdown and the, the experiences that we've all been through together over the recent months. I think there is a general perception that we needed to make changes from an environmental perspective, from a, a carbon generation perspective, that perhaps we were using transport too much, global travel uh, was, was higher than it should be. And there had always been a pushback that our business cannot operate if we change and stop doing this. Actually, what we've proved over recent months is that in many cases, a global meeting can be carried out effectively over video conference. And we can trust that when we start that video, we won't see attendees dropping off and coming back in all of the time because actually technology, cloud capabilities, home connectivity, as I mentioned before, have all matured to a state where this is a realistic expectation. And it doesn't matter where you are in the globe. Actually, these type of capabilities are now available. So I think that has a great opportunity to change our working practices. The trust and engagement with our employees when they work from home and the appreciation that they will continue to contribute to the success of our organization. They will do their job. They won't get distracted um, and they will maintain that commitment. I think is something that, again, managers have built up a trust over recent weeks and there should be no reason for that trust to suddenly dissolve because government guidelines change. So I personally hope that there will be a sustained change towards greater adoption of the, these working conditions. Do I think that 90% of us will continue to work from home five days a week? No, absolutely not. But I do expect more people to, to spend more time working from home and regaining that work-life balance. And equally, I do anticipate that more organizations will work globally, locally, rather than working globally through travel and, and long business trips and conferences. Brilliant. So it's funny that we started this year on Cloud Insiders talking with Andy Gomesall and Joe Bagley about the environmental impact of how we work and how the IT industry works. And everything seems to have come into a much sharper focus much quickly than anyone could have predicted. I think, I, I think that that's really key. It, it's less now the art of the possible it's more the art of what we've just seen and done in the last two months. We know it's possible. We know it's, we're capable of doing it. The question now is how do we sustain and maintain that, that, those working practices? Yeah. Okay, so we've mentioned business continuity and disaster recovery planning. Do you think IT teams can cope with, well, this monumental shift to needing this, what was previously fringe to being day-to-day -day front and centre? Well, IT and IT professionals, we know we always respond well in a crisis. We always have done um, and we will continue to do so. That transition now um, really depends on what the steady state requirements are going to be of the, the businesses that they support. We know that from a workplace perspective, the 
reliance on workplace recovery suites where there were 20, 40 desks available at short notice to to move into in the event of a disaster. Well, those don't meet the requirements of what's turned out to be the scenario that we may see happen multiple times, you know, as, as we progress into the future. So business continuity takes on a different dynamic and has different expectations. If we've all identified now that whatever happens to our office working environment, we will all switch to working from home. Actually, that becomes one tool that is able to address any number of scenarios that previously might have required lots of individual solutions or changing to working practices. So I think that's a huge positive and actually simplifies business continuity rather than making it more more complex. As I said before, I think chief risk officers, CEOs will spend more time uh, expecting the, these continuity capabilities to be validated on an ongoing basis. What better way to do that than to embed it into normal working practice and expect every employee wherever possible to spend one or two days working from home every week, which means that we know that the solution works and we know that people are able to be uh, productive on an ongoing basis. The last thing is we've done something and so far we've operated it for 55 days. The question is, what are the changing working practices, changing roles and responsibilities? And as we mentioned before, the revalidation of the right technological solutions that need to be confirmed in order to make this a long-term sustainable IT service to meet those business needs. I I think the the key um, for IT is making sure that we have tools, capabilities, skills, and and partnerships in place that mean whatever happens within our business environment, our economic environment, or the, the external factors that can influence our business, we know what we've got, we know the the steps that we can take and how we can remodel ourselves to be able to respond. That starts with good people and it starts with strong mutual partnerships. And with those, actually, you've got the core to make anything possible. It sounds a little twee, but actually... Uh, IT does come down to the power of the individual alongside what opportunities that, that, that are provided to them. Cool. I'll start taking steps to wrapping this up because I know yep. I've started stealing a lot of your time now. What would be your top tips businesses need to consider now? So if, if you're walk, walking out listening to this and thinking, right, okay, what are the top three or four things that I need to make sure I've got in place to support my business over the next few months? From an IT perspective, you're going to need to support that ongoing employee productivity, making sure that the, the, the collaboration tools, the work from home environments are robust, are sustainable and are not going to let the organisation down when it needs it the most. Making sure that scalability is in place. Any contracts or licensing that was only available for a short term uh, initial trial period, making sure that you're going back and either extending those trials or putting in place uh, the right agreement, at least to see you through the rest of this year, uh, if not on a longer basis, if, if um, things are more uncertain. Making sure that you've got the right partners in place and that the solutions are fit for purpose. Take a step back and ask your customers, ask your uh, business leaders, are the capabilities that we have delivered to you to get you through the last four months, 
are the business are the capabilities that we've given to you to get you through the last 50 days 60 days the ones that you need for the next two months the next three months as the workforce starts to re-engage and normal business operations start to recover uh, and the last thing you know this is a great opportunity to reflect on the single points of failure in your organization are those people are they processes are they technology what are the right things to do to shore up the business such that if that individual or if that capability was unavailable, actually you could continue to, to operate as a business? And as the strategic services director for Extrovert, how do you see Extrovert supporting organisations through this stage? So we, we see our role across the UK as, as a trusted guide and partner to those cloud virtualization and, and collaboration platforms and technologies. Today, we can offer health checks and secure configuration validations, where we take a full ride review of the solutions that you've put in place and ensure that you're, they're not exposing your organization to any unnecessary risk. And we can make recommendations as to how uh, those, those could be addressed to be uh, more fit for purpose. We can clearly deliver Horizon Workspace One solutions, Citrix solutions to expand X or extend uh, your remote working capabilities or to bring them more up to date to deliver access to new capabilities uh, and newer functionality. We can assist in the management or delivery of cloud solutions to bring in that scalability of these working platforms uh, and the technical solutions. Uh, and we can also offer managed services capabilities where you have now taken a workaround and you're transitioning it into a business as usual requirement, but you don't have the organizational skills or the organizational capacity to manage and maintain it in recognition of the key function it delivers to your business. Well, here at Extrovert, we can manage that for you and we can ensure that we deliver that back to you and your users to ensure that it can be relied upon when it's needed the most. Wonderful. Now, I won't keep you for too much longer as it's a beautiful Friday afternoon. I've already stolen far too much of your time. Have you got any, um, have you got any final thoughts for us? Yes, I, I think for, for me, um, this has been a hugely challenging time for the UK and, and for, for people around the world. I think we've all gone through a roller coaster uh, of emotion some more than others, depending on how you were personally affected by, by the events of, of COVID and, and, and the infections, etc. However, as we come out of it, the lessons that we've learned, the changing to changes to our both working cultures and our home, home life culture, um, I think there's a lot of positives to see in that. Uh, and from an IT solutions and services perspective, actually some of those opportunities that we've identified over the years to increase the flexibility in our businesses and increase the flexibility for our working practices, I think those are gonna see increased focus and increased investment. And I think we'll be healthier and uh, gain a, a much better work-life balance as a result of that. So I, I feel very positive as we, we look ahead into how this will change the nature of our working activities and, and our, our careers uh, in the future. Thank you, I mean, that's a very positive note to end on. 
If anyone would like to reach out to you um, and speak to you about this or any other subject, how would it be best for them to get hold of you? So the best way to find me is on LinkedIn. You can search for Robin Gardner. Uh, and if you add extrovert to that search, then you'll land on me straight away. Uh, happy to, to respond to questions, queries uh, or other requests. That's absolutely brilliant. And if you'd like to reach out to Cloud Insiders, you can get us on Twitter at Cloud Insiders. For any ideas or questions related to the podcast, you can get us on team at cloudinsiders.fm. You can get episodes of the podcast where you usually find your podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, iHeart. The list goes on and on and on. We'll even put our episode on YouTube. So just search Cloud Insiders or visit our website, cloudinsiders.fm. For any information on Extrovert and their services, you can visit extrovert.com, that's X-T-R-A-V-I-R-T.com, or send an email to info at extrovert.com. Robin, thank you so much for your time. It's been brilliant. Thank you, Stuart. It's been an absolute pleasure. Speak to you again soon. I'll speak soon.